And we're back. Welcome to Printer Games, the podcast about what's new and awesome in 3D printing for gamers. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, and I'm joined by... Kristen Sowards, also known as Seventh Mastery. Uh, Kristen, this has been a fun week. A fun week filled with mostly good news on the 3D printing front. It's like I like good not news. A lot of, not a lot of controversies, a whole lot of like... We talked about the sales. Some of those are still going on. I still think you can get like an Anycubic Mono 4K for like 200 bucks. No, 160 bucks. So like it's a great time to get a printer still. Yep. And... And then Elegu does what they do best, secretly mm. announce more printers. <laughs> I swear to goodness, like they're they're multiplying like rabbits at this point. It's just like you just look away, you had two Elegu printers sitting in the corner, suddenly you've got a dozen. Mhm. Uh, so, what, so what are they dropping on us today? Oh, this has been this has been a fun one. It's the it's more Neptune 3s. Even more Lord. Neptune 3s. Yeah, so we did notice that the Neptune 3 Pro dropped like immediately, like like months after the Neptune 3 dropped, and at the exact same retail price. So like of the two, grab the Pro if you're still in the market. If you picked up a not Pro, don't worry about it. Keep printing. It's still a good printer, and the upgrades on the Pro are mostly minor unless you want to print in nylon. And again, I cannot tell you how much I suggest against printing in <laughs> nylon. If you choose to hate yourself and want to wrestle with a machine for all eternity, by all means, decide to print nylon. But otherwise, stick with PLA and PTG and just have a wonderful life filled with successful prints that do not explode or turn into bubble wrap. I like that. I like that. My last FDM print was a big old mess. We got we got people in chat. Uh, yes, Andy, Mike, James, and Alex Trevor. Trevor. Ah, thank you all. Good to see you all again. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Elgu announced two more Neptune threes on top of the Neptune three Pro. They are bigger Neptune threes, <laughs> otherwise identical to the Neptune three. They literally the look Nep like on the picture. If you're looking at the screen, they literally look like someone just zoomed in. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I've got up the uh, the website first quadcopter all about drones that they've got the best write up right now. Sure. Um, this was all information taken from their Twitter account and Facebook groups. Uh, if you go to their website, they don't even have it on their website. But that was also true of the Saturn 8K upgrade as well and i saw uncle jesse look at this printer in the background so i do know these things do exist yeah. um so there is the neptune 3 plus which is 350 us dollars mm -hmm. and it increases the build okay so the the normal neptune has a 225 millimeter square build plate and goes up to 280 millimeters tall so right around ish 11 inches of worth of build plate square so enough for most gamers to get what they need mm -hmm. the neptune 3 plus ups that to 320 so you're gonna gain um what's that another five inches on each side nice yeah, and goes up to 400 millimeters tall. Now, that's real nice. That is, hey, you're getting close to being able to print helmets. But if you absolutely want to actually print a helmet, there's the Neptune 3 Max, and this is retailing for $470, that has a 420 square build plate that goes up to 500 millimeters tall. Wow. So, like, you could print some rather chonky, chonky pieces like I, that that wizards um that one wizards tower I wanted to print from cast and play mm -hmm. I wouldn't need to divide the base up on this one that that base is divided into four pieces for to fit into the Neptune 3 build plate but now nah, I could just slap the whole dang thing on this one you want to print um well you couldn't print like a vest or anything but absolutely could print a very fancy helmet for props on this one like you know you could print an entire dice tower in one go on this thing yeah, it you is. could do sectional armor too for cosplay. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And they come with the same upgrades that the Neptune 3 Pro has. So we've got mesh bed leveling. The bigger the bed plate, the more points they check, which is 
you know that that just makes sense yeah um dual z-axis motors instead of a single z-axis motor hmm. um and the direct drive extruder which is the you know the big selling point upgrade of these over the normal neptune threes and this looks like this is going to be like the style of printer going forward uh, i know that anycubic has had very similar uh upgrades on their cobra line so hey if you want to get a 3d printer fdm printer and you want it to go a little bit bigger and you don't want to break the bank these look like very good options coming up down the pipeline very nice yeah uh, we've got a uh we've got a lot of uh good news to cover tonight um, and then our main topics mostly have to do with our projects. So that's why the what we're doing has been kicked off until after the new segment for this episode. But we're super glad to do the, uh, we are super glad to do uh, chatting with all y'all. So if you've got any questions for us or anything you want us to chat about, do go ahead and get that in there and chat. See, Catlick said, just uh, Uncle Jesse did a short video review of the Neptune 3 Plus, which is cool, cool. Yeah, I noticed that he's been doing a lot of YouTube shorts lately, um, and I do not catch them all because YouTube's website needs to be better at letting me know when somebody I like has a short out. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, if I don't catch the phone notification, like and like the second it comes in, it's gone. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't miss it. Yeah. Other big news is that Lychee. Lychee has released an FDM slicer, which is curious. Hmm. Like, why would you do that, Lychee? And the answer is that there's they like their resin slicer because they can do it better. They can attack things that aren't being handled by your usual slicing options. Because So right now, if you want to slice, the two main slicers that everybody's using is Cura, Mm -hmm. which is what I use. Uh, what I used and, and then there is Prussia Slicer, which mm -hmm. is also a very good slicer. And I've been considering switching over to Prussia because it supports the variable width and the lightning supports and all sorts of cool, neat things. Well, Lachi's coming in here, swinging big, uh, adopting some, um, some support techniques uh, that we've seen on Prussia and a few that's been talked about, like painting on supports so that you can just run your mouse along where you want the supports to be. Um, actually showing you what your, what your supports look like while you're getting your model ready instead of having to slice it first before you see what the supports that's are. That's wild. That's cool. Yeah. And, uh, and also just lots of fun quality of life improvements in the interface that we're used to from the resin side because remember on the resin side we had basically cheetah box and prussia and prussia was good but very feature limited still mm -hmm. probably the better choice but didn't work with all printers so you had to do your supports in prussia and then export the cheetah box and then you had cheetah box which was very bad uh this <laughs> auto supports were garbage here yeah tell recently they right? have yeah, and then Lychee yeah. came out, and then Cura got better. All, not Cura, but um, Cheetah Box got better all in a hurry when Lychee started giving them some competition. Some threat, yeah. Yeah, competition in the market is always great. So I'm glad to see some more competition in this market. So hopefully this means that Cura and Prussia start, like, up in their game. Now, Cura is open source, um, so, you know... That's going to have all the good and bad things that come with open source. I love open source software, but boy... Boy, does it look like the back of a tech manual when you're using the interface. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, um, D and D Mike Elegu, how do we make the Neptune Three better? Employee of the year, double it. Double it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am going. So actually, this is good news. But like, there's a free version available, uh, but there is also a pro version available. And it's getting a little bit expensive. I was going to ask a what the price supporter. Yeah. So standalone, it's mm -hmm. forty bucks a year to mm -hmm. use the uh, the FDM version. And if you have want to get the FDM and the resin version, yeah, it is eighty bucks a year. Currently, no discount, the resin huh? version is sixty. But so, oh, okay, so it is a little. So bit there discount. is a discount. Um, I kind of think it's a little bit not fun that they're doing charging extra for this because i 
think that that sixty bucks a month is an awful lot of money that I'm giving Lachi each each year. Uh, not sixty bucks a month. Sixty bucks a year is a lot of money that I'm giving Lachi. That I, I honestly think that this could have just been part of the one subscription instead of now everything gets complicated, especially since their website is broken right now and won't even let me upgrade or access Yikes. my account. So uh, get on that, Lachi. Fix that stuff. But overall, good news. Um, it, it, there, it is in beta. There is still limited printer support. You still can't create your own custom printer like you can in every other slicer. Uh, so there's all that, but, oh, but what they do have is working great and people have already figured out ways to sort of get other printers to work by just modifying the stats of a printer that is similar enough to it. And since most, uh, FDM printers are still, uh, bed slinger copies of each other, that's easier said than done. And as Catlet, uh, says in chat, Still cheaper than G2 bucks. That's fair. James says, depends on how much time the tool is saving. Uh, might be worth a dollar. Save a few, even a few hours a month. I agree, but I still like, I mean, as a filthy casual, I can still usually use even the free stuff if I'm willing to be frustrated a little. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Now I just... 60 okay. bucks is a lot of different Patreon support. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it, is, it is a lot. Um, but it's not even one Patreon annual. Mm, there's a couple, it, but yeah. A couple that you could get away with on that one? No, there, I think there's, I think of one that's pretty decent. It's like 50. But yeah, usually okay. annuals are, are like, you know, 80 to 100. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, but, but still, overall, it's good news. Good software is worth paying for. I do not. I still don't like this paying for software in monthly installments thing. I'm, I I like to buy my software and keep it, but uh, the rest of the world evidently disagrees with that method. Um, so I will continue to subs be subscribed to death uh, yeah. going forward. The death of a thousand cuts. Next, I noticed a video hit my feed from 3DHP, a review of a printer brand and I never heard of before. Yeah, and this so one looks I was very really, different. Yeah, very curious. Now, this is not another FDM printer. We have not become the FDM printer show, even though we kind of have been opened up. It's If Elegoo would just take a breather and, and invent less than three printers a month, we would talk I assure about you. Them. This will never become an FDM only. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we My have a resin printer explode. to check out. <laughs> um, and that is the oh gosh, how do I say the GK two, which is a printer I have never heard of before from Uniformation. Now, there's a lot of resin printers that we don't talk about because there's actually a whole lot of them out there, um, and this one stood out because it is a Saturn-sized printer. To be more specific, it is more akin to a Saturn II. So yeah. like that 10.3-inch bed. It's got the 8K, and it retails for $900. That is Yikes. a little bit more than your average Saturn II. So like, why? what makes this so interesting? I was like, why is this a little bit more expensive? And the answer is the quality of life features that they've built into this beast. It has Ooh. the built-in yeah. air filtering. That's no news. The Saturn II has that. The but that's Elegoo still a nice thing. 8K has that. But it's nice. It is very nice. Not having to do the little swap with the little chargeable modules is, is good. Especially since I lost my darn cable. And I don't know where it's at anymore. And they Your don't use charging cable for those. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very grumpy right now. I need to remember where I put it, but it's got those the are filter. like OG cables though. You could go pick it up at like a mm -hmm. all, anywhere. Mm -hmm. I almost said a bad place. Anyway, <laughs> it has very weird build plate that has a drip catcher on the edge and is a uh, thick boy. It is weird though. Like, cause I imagine like, unless it goes into some sort of internal reservoir or channel, you're still going to have to just be careful with it for, for just tipping it out. Right? Like, it doesn't seem mm -hmm. like it's catching that much to me. I don't know. Tell me what I'm not know. seeing. Tell me what I'm not it's, seeing. It's a big chunky boy, but it it it's got it's got latches and sensors to keep you from not attaching the bed 
to the printer and it lifting it up in the air on the print. So that's great. You will not accidentally lift your vat into the air on this printer, <laughs> as I may or may have not done once. But here's the big thing. It's got a built-in heater. Hmm. A built-in heater that automatically keeps the interior temperature of the printer at 78 to 80 Fahrenheit, which is the ideal temperature to be printing at Resonat. So if you have this shoved out in your garage, garage yeah. or in your, uh, if you have this shoved out into your mud room or something, this is really great. And, and pretty soon I'm going to be doing, uh, I'm, I'm researching right now what the best way is to keep your printer heated during the winter because it's starting to become the winter over here for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want a good way to do that. And there have been some new solutions proposed in the world. But oh, hey, this printer does that for you. For you. So That'd be nice. Yeah. And uh, other than that, it's just, you know, it's got FEP2 and built in screen protector and all that fun stuff that has become standard. So this is just a, a nice new printer on the on market. The um, uh, Again, shout out to the YouTube channel uh, 3DHP, which is where I heard about this. They've got a good review that just breaks it down in excruciatingly good details and like a really cool Black Panther statue that they printed using this that was very big. I was surprised at the height of some of the stuff coming out of this thing. Nice. Uh, so yeah, yeah, new printer, new competition in the market. Um, I'm glad to see some names that aren't just any cubic or Creality or Elegoo uh, that we have to chat about. Says uh, Pio Poly Forge also has a heater and says ask on Discord to you. <laughs> okay, Catlet, I'll be yeah, up with that. Uh, PND Mike says my Canadian ears just perked right up on that one. Yeah. So as we enter the winter, these the. the Surprise print failures are up on us. The that should have printed it printed fine last week. What's going on? Um, the answer is you need to make sure that your printer is heated. Printers do not like temperatures below 70 Celsius, uh, 70 uh, Fahrenheit. Um, I'm true. not sure the Celsius conversion on that because I am a filthy American. Um, <laughs> I'm sure someone in chat will. Will shame us both because I yeah. should be able to do that conversion too, and my brain is not happening. And right when now. and when it starts to get close to sixty Fahrenheit, then you start getting really bad failures. You can try to compensate by pumping up that exposure time and slowing your prints down, but that's a losing game in the long run. It's worth like, noting also if you if you store your resin in those temperatures, mm -hmm. like out in the garage or whatever, you can get some weird fails later as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and, oh. but hey, we got printers that have heat. So we have heaters for printers. This is a known quantity, but hey, if you are not able to keep your printer inside into a heated room and you have it out in a garage or a mudroom, you're going to need um, need that. James says 26C and Catlett says 18C. I'm not sure which of those applies to which of the temperatures I rattled we off. We did there. say 70 and 60, so it could be. This both. is true. Yeah, um, and this is a Google solution away, but I'm in the middle of a podcast, and googling during a podcast is typically bad form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. well, and that's the news. That's the news I got. It's that's, all that's mostly some good news. news. Yeah. yeah, fun times. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I had the same problem. I had a midway through a very big print um, drop and get like super messed up by it. Yeah. The problem is, is that when it's cold out, it's fluctuating. So mm -hmm. it's going to go low and it's going to go high. And, and if you're trying to do the compensation, you had the slice for that. The printer's not doing that. You really just need to heat the printer. Um, and I've been using a small personal heater next to the printer to achieve this that has worked absolutely fine and worked wonders and not any problems also but my printer is in a mud room which is still in the house but it's just not the best heated room in the house so it never right. gets to freezing in there it's just a little bit more chilly than the rest of the house during the cold nights um, what i ultimately want is a heater so i'm thinking either a 
resin vat heater band or an interior heater that I can put inside the printer. Um, I'm hoping I don't need to mod my case for any of this, um, but I'm going to be looking into the options. There have been there have been some good advances in resin heating technology this year, and it's just been the summer, and I've had no reason to go get one. And during the summer, mine actually moved inside. They have a forever home in an old Yay! Room, so I don't have to worry about it this does year. It, does thankfully. it get along with the other technology in the house? Uh, more or less. I mean, that that room was mostly off limits for laundry purposes before. And so it's just still off limits just so the cats don't get into anything yucky. And with that news, it brings us into what are we working on? Kristen, what are you working on? I currently am um, working on Comet Lords Knights of the Perpetual Order. That set looks sick. I really, really like them. Um, they, you know, uh, I have these bad guys in one of my games called the Faceless, and they're kind of like the perfect proxy for just that. I, gotta, I don't have to do hardly anything to the minis. They're creepy. They're ornate. They're, they've got a good range of equipment. Um, I did actually specifically say, hey, Scott, if you ever get a chance to do, revisit these guys, would you add some caster minis in for them? Because I just want, like, a whole army of them. <laughs> they're really, really neat. Um, uh, kind of have, like, a very little facial stuff on their helmets and then the, on their armor they have like these hands like almost like a laying on of hands like on their breastplates and stuff it really has kind of this um i don't know it's it's creepy to me um some people would definitely see it as like a you know like a maybe like a more paladin vibe but i think they're in the middle there on this image you've just pulled up but they're definitely um they have like these elaborate masks built into their armor like their faces are all kind of displaced it's very creepy, but very pretty at the same time. And yeah, so they've right, got like overlapping hands on their shoulder pads yeah, and yeah. sigils on their face. And this is super creepy. This is, I turned around in the wrong level of the abyss creepy. <laughs> I'm super into it, of course. But yeah, uh, I, I have begged him to make more for this as like a, mm. an ongoing theme. So we'll see. Hopefully Scott will do it, but... I can't mind control him completely. So, and the leader has this gigantic bell it's wielding as a flail. Yep. And these two hands coming out of its chest piece covering its eyes. It's really this cool. is just, this is just, this is a comment, I'm... Lord. Why do you must do the nightmares <laughs> to me? Why, must speaking you of which, we, we go, I... we want you back on the show soon, but. But, but you have to keep me up at night. I don't get enough sleep as it is. So go, if you're on, are you on the Patreon, like, preview pages? If you go to this month's, it has the coolest Christmas tree topper I've ever seen. It's a biblically accurate angel. <laughs> oh, good grief. I know and, the one you're talking about. You're talking about Margot. Yes, yes, it's super cool, but it's so many pieces. I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. But it, it it actually has the the rings with the eyes and everything, and it's got the big central eye, kind of almost beholdery. But uh, I love wings. that the eye isn't just floating in there; it's connected by sinew. Yeah. And then if you go below it, it has some of the same rings that are orbiting the central eye that go down and and create a brace for your Christmas tree topper. <laughs> oh goodness! I love it. Oh, I'm gonna disappoint Alex. He was placing my bets on how many dark angels I have painted this week, guessing 30. I have done no painting this week, so I have no dark angels painted. My, I am so sorry. It, the uh, unfortunate thing is, is that my dark angels are headed to a fire team. So there are going to be exactly five in that fa in, in my team. So uh, I will never get up to 30 on the flip side. I've got 40 rats on my paint table right now that will be done by next week because rats are awesome. I've been wanting to do that rat army for ages and the OPR rats have come out and they are very, very cute boys and they have tiny little helper masks that helping them out and they are all noble and clean and red wally and not disease ridden filth things. And I'm, I'm in a very happy place. They're not my rats. 
but I still love you, man. So next month's preview is the preview that I'm I'm really excited about for Comet Lord, uh, which is that they have just like the super like it's like fantasy fascism meets angels. <laughs> um, yeah. Fairly fair. These look like wonderful bad guys for a Final Fantasy game, especially it's the one I really like is the leader. Um, I do not know which one of these characters. I think it's Ulrich von Krisnik, who mm-hmm. has like the Magneto outfit and long cape, long cape, giant metal arm, and one of the pose. The pose, the only pose you need, the only pose that matters is the one in which he is Magnetoing gigantic great swords mm-hmm. as if they are just throwing knives just yep. telekinetically about to throw them across the room and impale some pieces and then he there's has no his, way like, on earth this isn't a villain magitech army guys with him mm-hmm. yeah like the, the the really cool steampunk like wrist blades and and rifles this this is definitely i, I this is so final fantasy it hurts you know, um, I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for it. The apotheosis of man, the angel thing in the back there, uh, for our, our listeners, it's got like six wings and it's kind of like raising up on some kind of tentacle capey thing. But like there's another sculpt for it that's just way more tentacles. And I love it. It's it's just, very. Oh, of course you love it. <laughs> you, you've never met a tentacle you didn't like. <laughs> well, at least I'm consistent. So I'm, I'm I'm really happy. Comet Lord's been been surprising us. Uh, I mentioned this is one of the things I'm working on this week is I am printing out the Ratty Boys, mm-hmm. um, and that's great. I have, and that kind of uh, leads me to uh, one of the things that I've been realize I've been doing, and the hot tip I haven't talked, I don't think I've talked too much about on the show. James asked Which if your is, castle was complete before you move on from your projects. No, no, it's not complete. Oh, I haven't okay. got the I haven't got back to the castle. It has been sitting neglected, waiting for its roof and uh, the poor thing. FDM printing. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, I, honestly, it's like my little ADHD brain is like changing filament hard, and so every time I go to get it going again. I just be like, but then I have to change the filament because I'm out. I, I'm not completely out. So you got to do uh, the mid print change. No, I'm gonna just eject what's there, and then just put, <laughs> put a new roll in. Um, what are you gonna I do with do the remnant? Like, just just toss it. I'll put it to the side and never use it. Probably it's like. <laughs> I have no idea how much is left on that spool, but it's not enough to do that roof. I know that much, and that's about it. Fair um, enough. Yeah, maybe I just I, I often need like a lot of these uh, 3D prints. Assume you have spare filament laying around to like become the hinges for the doors. You like run filament sure. through the doors and stuff, including mm-hmm. this print. So okay. that might be the fate of this roll: is that it just it becomes the roll I grab filament from. To feed into doors. Okay. PND Mike says he's painting tentacles too for Cthulhu from Artisan Guild. Oh, those are very different tentacles, but I like them. The Cthulhu from Artisan Guild is actually a really fun model. I don't know my 40k lore enough to understand Alex's uh, um, Primark reference. Maybe you do. Oh, he says, um, Alex says, don't forget to print your Dark Angel uh, Primark, Lionel Johnson. Psst, he's waking up soon. Um, which is because we have since learned that in the 40K lore right now, mm-hmm. in the new books that are about to come out, a bunch of freaking demons have besieged the rock, which is the Dark Angel's home base, and secretly mm-hmm. where a sleeping Lionel Johnson, the Primarch of the Dark Angels, is kept safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very likely that they intend to wake him up because Gilliman is awake and right now is acting as the only Primarch on the Imperium side, and boy, wouldn't it be a whole lot of drama if there was suddenly a question as to who gets to inherit the God Emperor's throne instead of being only one choice. Mm. 
that would like let you fight more space marines versus space marines fights i do think they're setting up a civil war absolutely fun <laughs> uh, my uh, tyranids will eat them both it's fine yeah i just uh, need to find a good 3d printable lionel johnson mm. though actually it, it uh hmm, it is curious i don't know that I don't know that I would ever field them because, like right now, like I said, my entire my entire Dark Angel army is a single Terminator and four veterans gunners, <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. It's just what like, you don't need a Primarch for your firefight team? Sure, <laughs> it'd be like I would need like ten firefight teams to just this go is up against my army him. right here. This is my one squad. Yeah. You How get many four points squads. is Gilliman anyway? I'm curious as as that. I don't. I do not know off the top of my head. But like, would Gilliman be an entire kill team? It would be easy. He would kill an entire kill team easy. It has to be probably either that or they have massively understated this this character. Ah, uh, like the bad guys have had their prime arcs for ages. Like you know, because they didn't die or go into comas or anything. You could just. Just take Magnus out whenever you want, you giant pink dude. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Gilliman is three hundred points by themselves right now, which would be six hundred ish points in Grimdark Future, which is the game I'm actually going to play. Because I really love the Warhammer 40k's lore. I do not love the rules. I just cannot get into the ninth edition rules. They are so overly complicated. I know what will happen. The second I actually get into the rules enough to be good at them, they'll release a new edition. It's it's all signs are pointing to tenth edition coming out next year. Right. So I'm I'm not a uh, not even gonna bother with this one. Yep. Uh, so think about it. We've got new Warhammer coming out, new D and D coming out, lots yep. of things that are gonna need models printed. Some people are already on top of that, from what I have understood. But we're getting to that in the callouts, I bet. <laughs> so um the other thing to chat about is uh a tip i don't know that i've i have uh, brought up i often need to do a lot of batch printing because i like i play a lot of armies games like kings of war age of fantasy grim dark future i need a lot of and i'm also attracted to armies that like to have lots of bodies at the table so you know i like like I don't need to play my high elves like that. My high elves absolutely could just be five dudes on dragons, but no, that would be my army I, for sure. <laughs> I want a sea of spears and a line of archers behind them, and my <laughs> opponent to curse the day they ever tried to step a toe on Althorn. Um, that's the that's the image that I always like. I want that opening scene to Lord of the Rings. To that's that's what I want to put on the table. You know. The gigantic line of elves that just obliterates whatever dare step forward. Um, and then, of course, the next army I'm working on is rats, rat men. And that's just like, like, it's like 140 points of my 2000 is 20 rats. And I'm not, how many, I'm going to need so many rats. You don't play rats without just flooding the table with little furries. Um, I, and that means I need to print a bunch. I need yeah. to print a whole bunch of things. And another project that I did recently also needed to print a whole bunch of things. And um, even when I was printing my Dark Angels, I needed to print like it was a modular kit. So when I want to print a whole bunch of the same thing or a whole bunch of things at once, it does get annoying playing build plate Tetris. I love build plate Tetris. You know, I've, I've talked to you how much I love to optimize. You're the better build at it than I am. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty good, but I'm not as good as you are. I like to get, because I have a whole lot to do. Yes, I will play with unpainted models. So I will put unpainted models on the table. Mm. Uh, I'm in it for, like, I will paint those models, Kristen. I have painted hundreds mm. of models this year. Slap chop has taken away all excuses, in my opinion, but that's just me. Go on. Oh, boy, you cannot slap chop as fast as I'm printing them. I, I wonder if that is even possible. But you could also do color zenithal primes and get get them pretty good looking fast. But anyway, I usually do that. I do prime. I do prime my stuff fat. I mean, like nothing hits the table unprimed, but they are unpainted sometimes. 
Uh, and I do do colored primes when I'm in that situation. Uh, so even if I'm having to play in the event, I will do the two-tone dark color, light colors in the thole to get something at least looking decent on the table. And then you can uh, that is a that is a very fast way yeah. to cheat. Um, Little and I've talked about the pawns, but but we're printing a whole bunch of stuff at once. Getting that stuff on the build plate is a pain sometimes because like getting everything to fit just right so that I can fit the optimal number of rats on this build plate is not always easy. Also, I know I'm going to need a whole bunch of them and and, and putting the 10 poses of rats or five poses of rats and then copying each of them the number of times I'm going to need each copy and then manually putting them on the build plate. And if it's a modular kit, it's even worse. Like for the space Marines, it was like, and here's all the shoulder pads and here's all the heads and here's all of the, the pistols that yeah. I need to glue to their belts and the combat knives that go on their boots and the three pouches I'm going to put on their belts and the grenades and, or bases. I do this all the time with bases. I'm going to need a tray full of 50 bases for these rats to stand on. Um, doing them individually every time I want to print up a batch of them is a pain in the butt. Even if I save the build plate as an editable file later, it is still a pain in the butt and takes an enormous amount of time. So I batch it. Okay. I will take, I will open up Cheetu Box. I will grab my five rat poses. So, and I do this so that I will have an even distribution of rat poses across my force. And I will line them up in the corner and then do my, my little Tetris and get them all as compact as physically possible and neatly organized in the, those five in the corner. With the eye that I will then save that plate as an STL file, because mm -hmm. you can do that in Chidu Box, and I will call it my Rat Five Pack, mm -hmm. and then I will take that Five Pack and I will open it, and then I will open it five times, and that is so much easier than putting fifty rats on the table. I can just open that as many times as I need rats, and now they're already optimally Tetrised. I just need to squeeze the five packs together as much as possible. And I'm able to get a whole bunch of rats. And then any corners I have left over, that's when the single rats come in. So what I usually do, like I did with my rats, is I get three five packs on the plate. And that covers most of the plate because these uh, were they're halberders. They have wide stances for such little furry things. Mm. Um, and then I get the command group, which has also been done this way because I'm going to need that command group with every single regiment. I bring it in and I have just a couple of holes left on the plate and I bring in single rats to fill in all those holes to get the, uh, the maximum number of rats. So I get an entire regiment of rats in a single print plate and I'll be ready to play with those. Uh, they're actually waiting for me on the printer right now. And I've done that for all of the weapon variations for those rats. And Dang. I, for the space Marines, I'll just do little batches of five heads and then five guns, and then five shoulder pads, and then five shoulder pads with the emblem on them. And I'm surprised you still build those out, like because at this point I would probably like pre-attach all of mine so they were just one dude. I the problem with that is that the shoulder I would do that with everything but the shoulder pads, mm -hmm. um, because the shoulder pads are always designed to kind of like cover up the seams, and there's lots of airspace underneath sure. there that will trap resin. It just becomes a pain in the butt to try to, to pre-mount the shoulder pads. I've done it. It works, but it's, it's just a pain in the butt. So I usually, if I will, if nothing else, I will assemble everything, but the head and shoulder packs, mm -hmm. uh, and then print those separately because heads, I often have a hard time because it likes to put little chin supports that you have to cut out with a hobby knife later. And I'm like, I just print the head separately. I'll glue them on. And so then I'll have like every, the body posed out with the arms and weapon choices I want. And then I'll just come in with uh, the, those last two details. Uh, with the Dark Angels, it was just a matter of I needed five of these things. It wasn't worth me spending an hour. Like I don't need 40 of these guys. Eventually right. I'm going to need 40 of these guys. And the other reason is sometimes I do just put together one of these kits, which is this is just a little... Um, bead organizer that I got mm -hmm. picked up at the box store for a buck. And it's just like, 
all the torsos, all the legs, all the left arms, all the right arms. And I'll just like literally print a tray full of torsos, a tray full of legs. Sure. And then I'll just, this is, this is one of my elf builders. It's just like, I need an elf. Just grab the parts I need to customize an elf. Now I do prefer to pre-assemble whenever I'm going to do something big, but every now and then it is convenient to have bits. Very cool. All right, but that isn't the only reason I was batch printing. Mm. So you love speed paints. I do. I Although I also too. like contrast paints. I'm not going to give up either of them, I don't think. Unless Gosh. that new range that they're testing right now is really good. So speed paints, contrast paints have the same problem where you look at the bottle and you got no idea what color it is. Especially because... what it's going to do on a white primer. For sure. Right. And, and and because it has an effect, it matters. And they do they do print the bottles with like a little thing and, but on the speed paints, no. That's not yeah, even close. Not even no. no. Um and but at least I kind of got familiar with them enough that I didn't need it. But for this for the contrast paints especially I really wanted to know what these looked like. And people have come up with different ways to accomplish this. Some people have printed off a whole bunch of Space Marines. If you go to a GW, they often have a display of Space Marines painted do, in con yeah. the, yeah, the single contrast paints. Or backpacks. Or um, uh, shield uh, shields or um, bases. Dana Howell just did a whole bunch of bases to show off the new speed paints. I love her website for color reference, although I have noticed on one of my computers it's off. Mm -hmm. So I have to use very specific screens to make sure I'm looking at the right colors. And for speed paint specifically, I've seen some people take the caps and prime them white and then paint the whole cap. Oh, that's not a bad idea. That, that's a whole lot of paint you're using, though. So your solution is? I took the a Viking shield from Titan Forge mm. and print sized it down to nine millimeters. Those are itty bitty. Of, yes. And then I glue and I I, I uh, white tacked them to the tip of the bottle. Um, and then I painted them with the contrast paint so that when I take this little drawer out of my paint case, I can glance down and see exactly what color it is and how it will look over a textured object and grab it. And I did the same thing to my contrast paints. I did that with a whole bunch of um, night shields from yeah. uh, Highland Miniatures. It was their uh, original night set. I printed that shield out a bunch of times and glued it to the lids there. Now, those got to be really big, but since they're permanently on the wall, I they're bigger so I can see them easier. These are going to be right in front of me, so tiny is good. Nice. And, and in this little compact drawer, you can't see the sides easy enough is to see the labels. Is that big fancy case you got? It is. This is, this is from the Frontier Wargaming case, and it is, it is, it is nice. That's nice. So, yeah, so... And as you can see, it, this one drawer holds the entire range of uh, speed paints. Nice. <laughs> and that's and that, but I needed like, well, technically I needed twenty four of them, but I printed fifty, and I did that by batching it. And one of the things I did with this was when I printed the shields, I left them on the supports to prime them because I knew I was going to need to prime a bunch of them. Nice. Well, and and, you didn't, uh, you're, you're not needing the back primed really anyway. So, right. That's smart. So, yeah. So I just did this, prime this because can you imagine me trying to tape down each of these little shields individually? Oh, I can more it? than imagine it. I have lived it. I oh, primed no. those, primed some shoulder pads that were free for my monarch squads. Oh, goodness. And those, I, I still find those <laughs> scattered around the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I felt real clever using my 3D printer to solve practical problems. I like it. I like it. I I think I worry more about the execution and the stuff I had for batch printing was is more about the the execution part of it. <laughs> so Though this has left me to believe that this is printed in the um, the, the the navy gray with 
tenacious. Mm -hmm. It still snaps so easy. Yeah. So I'm thinking that this is this is prob. I'll, I'll burn through this bottle, and I think that I will find something else. Um, so I take fast. Oh, I just not. It's just not. I, I keep going back to it, and I just don't think it's for me. It's it's I, too brittle. I like how it plays. Uh, the tenacious plays with the elegu stuff and with the anticubic um, mm -hmm. resins. That rich opto stuff. It pretty much it actually holds detail really well just by itself, which is and it's it's cheap and it's crap. It's gonna break, but it really doesn't seem to be better. I think I mentioned if I use um, vibrational agitation to to clean it too long, um, even with tenacious, it gets super brittle. Ooh, that's not good. And I almost wonder if that's because there's a difference in the in the bonds, and so the strong parts are actually vibrating like differently than the weak parts, and it just crumbles. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Slevtech says he loved loved our podcast with MZ425. Yeah, that was a fun episode. I really enjoyed speaking with them. I hope to uh, so hope to get to speak with them again in the future. Absolutely. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, sir, that is that's kind of all I've been up to lately. Uh, oh no, there was a weird thing that happened with the, the this resin. I wanted yeah. to bring up. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I did not get to print much for a week because of I had a death in the family and the last thing I was really thinking about was 3D printing and stuff. We That was the week we had to cancel the show, gang. Um, and so that resin just sort of sat in the vat for a week. This isn't usually a problem. I've left the resin, mix, even mixed resin, like this is you know a tenacious mix. Uh, you mix tenacious into for for listeners listen the first time tenacious Sariatek tenacious is a very flexible resin. You can print with it by your itself, but that's kind of not recommended and not its purpose. It's an additive resin that you mix in with other resins to make them more flexible and durable. I put ten percent of it. I do a ten to one mix with most of my resins so that they're flexible and, and when I drop a mini, it doesn't shatter into a thousand pieces. It would also be very expensive to print solely in that. Yeah, it used to be a hundred dollars a bottle. It's down even to sixty dollars. Yeah, bottle. it's even still pretty spendy. Yeah, yeah. That's sixty is like within the range of I wouldn't want to do it, but I would if I if I thought there was a good purpose for it. Sure, sure. Yeah, but but when you print in pure tenacious, it doesn't hold details very well, and you have to use very long print times. Yeah, but you end up with like something that's almost like a bouncy ball. That's neat. But it's you said it, it didn't uh, stay safe. It, it, something happened. It had this weird separation happen in the resin where this, like, it separated. Like, there's always some separation. You have to, like, mix your resin. Um, but this was, like, very dark gray and absolutely pale, chalky white. Mm. And I've never had a mix separate that exact way before. Usually it's like, here's lighter green and a darker green. And I That's just usually it like together a and two or fine. three week situation for me. Sometimes it'll separate like that, but it's got to been a while. And it's been, and it stuck to the bottom of the FEP when I was like trying to mix it up. I saw this like absolute white layer at the bottom that took me forever to stir back up. And the reason I noticed it is that I was printing some space Marine proxies for my little sister and they were, um, they had this, like one of them had a solid white leg. And I'm like, why do you have a white <laughs> leg? What's going on? That's no weird. detail was lost. No failures happened. Um, I did mix it before I printed with it because it had been a week. So of course I mixed it, but I did the butter churn method. Mm -hmm. um, and are you familiar with the butter churn method? That's where you're l lowering your build plate up, up and yes. down. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. that's what I usually do. And it works, I'd say, like, maybe 95% of the time for me. Every once in a while, though, there's that weird time that, that something like this happens. Mm -hmm. I never have this problem with Elgo. Even, like, I've, I've not, I've left some stuff in that vat for over a month once. Like, when I was gone to, like, back-to-back -back trips and Gen Con and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. It was over a month before I got to use the printer again. And I just needed to, I just had slightly darker green and slightly lighter green. Um, Catlett says Navy gray separates like that in 24 hours or so. It's Yikes. the pigments. Oh my gosh. I, oof. 
It looks so good. Okay, navy gray looks so good when you print with it. I understand why people like this stuff so well. It's such a great look on the model. But I think I'm done with it. I think I'm going back to ABS-like from uh, from Elegoo. Or I might try any cubic, but Elegoo ABS-like is just pretty solid it's just yeah it's flexible enough on its own and with tenacious like the freaking things have super sharp detail and just are near invincible yeah i had some any cubic translucent orange i want to say that was in there for like months and i didn't i just was spacey and didn't mix it or anything and it printed fine so like it's weird because this this apparently 24 hours that's crazy that's upsetting actually Yeah. <sighs> so so that was just weird you got anything else you're working on well i was just mentioning because i've been doing a lot of terrain um mm-hmm. um the week before i've been doing a lot of the uh interiors um stuff from the cast and play big big set and uh i have object permanence issues like pretty bad actually and so it's it's hard for me because I, I had this little beautiful little paint diary and I, it's a, you know, best practice. It gets recommended people a lot. So I was like, okay, if you're doing like a base prime, heavy dry brush, you know, light dry brush, secondary dry brush, whatever you, you actually get those actual paints. You write down the number, you write down the proportions. If you do mixes, et cetera, et cetera, really good idea. It works really well for, for James and other couple other painters I know, but that's not good. If you lose your, paint notebook every time you try to use it which is one of my problems because it just vanishes especially if i have to like clean up my paint area in a hurry i don't know where it's gone it might as well have lit on fire so what i've been doing actually is i got um a little stackable christmas organizer thing on clearance last year at michael's and mm-hmm. it was terrible for it's originally supposed to be a paint caddy is what my idea was and it, it worked okay. okay but um it because it's it's like all the sides flip down and you can pull off whatever tray you want to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, when you load it heavy, if the top pops, <laughs> the whole thing goes, and that's bad. But what it it's turning out to be really good for is okay. I do a batch print like you've been doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I take my like six paints for that batch paint and and put it into that and becomes my little project box. So I don't have to look for those. I don't even have to go to my my kit. I have it. This is set up and I know that this is okay. I'm working on my dark angels, whatever it is. And my little teeny uh, box is ready to go. And this is really good with the terrain because I use a lot of craft paint. And so sometimes I can go spend three or $4 and buy the entire exact paints and not have to worry about the fact that I'm taking out my paint set. I can just have this project kit ready to go. I can even get the crappy, I usually go get like some dollar store makeup brushes or whatever for the dry Mm -hmm. brushing. And I just put them in there and it's all just ready to go. It also means I can travel with it. So like if I have friends who want to do a paint night, you know, I can just grab that one kit and be like, okay, we're going to go do that. Or I've even taken it to a game where I'm like, Ooh, I got there early. I need to finish a little detail work or this piece got chipped um, and I can fix it on the fly. So yeah, really, I, I, I have been having a lot of success with that. And it's been making my crafting life a lot easier. So I don't have to dig through things because I'm not an organizational genius. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds cool. Now you taught these these uh, caddies. These are the is this similar to the ones that uh, Luke APS was talking about for their portable paint station? I don't know. The these are of course it's like I actually put it away for once. <laughs> They're like uh, um, maybe six by eight. Um, They're just high enough to put. Contrast like um, GW pots fitting them fine. You have to lay down uh, army painter stuff in them. Okay. So you have to lay lay down your craft paints in them too. But, okay. But um, they're just just little. I want to say it was seventy five percent off at Michael's. I should probably get a link for it somewhere. But um, mm-hmm. uh, just really easy. Like like I said, my biggest problem with it is the top the lid fits in that top tray, and you can restack them however you want because they're just modular the same tray basically that locks into the bottom of the, the tray above it. And um, so you can even take off just two and just take the two with the handle if you want. Um, but my biggest problem is if you have the whole thing fully loaded with paint, sometimes it's enough to warp the edge of that pa- pa- uh, plastic lock and it will pop the, the lid off and drop your whole setup, which is a mess. Mm. 
have that had sounds two. dangerous. Yeah, but it works really well for small small stuff. I've been organizationally minded too. In fact, I uh, recently did a, am working on an upgrade to uh, to my miniature storage. Mm-mm. Yes. So I. You know I've been using those letter trays, those Amazon I, I letter trays. I have been inspired by you, and I can see all eight of mine right there. Right yes. Um, I wanted some more. Yes, yeah, but I wanted some more that I could stack. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was pointed to a, a another set of letter trays that IKEA makes oh. that are very much like ours, uh, called the uh, Vessel? K V I S S L E. Okay. And it is it is a solid white letter tray. Uh the bottom of it, the, the tray itself are metal. So the just like the ones we're using from Amazon, the the minis will stick to it. Um and other than that, it's kind of the same idea, but because it's in a perfect cube storage, it will fit into those little cube organizers. Mm, yeah. And they stack on top of each other, which is something that the ones from Amazon don't do very well. Um, no, you can do, do it. I did manage to get some of those to stack with some um, zip ties or something. Zip ties. Zip ties was the word I was looking for. Thank you. But like these line up really well in shelves. They are very. The, the big downside is they are heavy. These are mm. steel. These are. When you, these things get put together, they are tanks. They will protect your minis from bullets. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't have to deal with that too much. Yeah. So I'm going to add this to my storage arsenal. And um, I will you follow behind, your progress because the form factor, if it fits in those Calyx shelves and stuff, that's great. And they're only 25 bucks a piece, which is about $7 more than the ones I use and I think you're using. Right, right. Um, but here's the thing. If you have a IKEA next to you, you can get as many of these as you want. If you are having them shipped to you, they will only ship you four at a time. That's the second I went over five, they were like, no, no longer available to ship. And I'm like, why, IKEA? Why? And then the package came, and I figured out why. Mm, oh, my God, it's heavy. Oh. It is so heavy. <laughs> like, it is like... It is the four of these in the box weighs over a hundred pounds. It is wow. It is stupid heavy. I've I um I am so glad uh, that I will not need to move them much. But so when I get ready to do the complete renovation of the game room, uh, these will uh these will be in a nice little row on top of where I keep my terrain. So all my minis will be. Uh, you'll be able to see them in the background of the videos. Like my little minis all ranked up on their little trays. Nice. Yes. <sighs> shout outs. Well, let's with that, we need to move on to the shout outs. I mean, I was looking for my notes. <laughs> all right. For the shout outs, I have one shout out. I have. So, Dragon Trapper's Lodge next month is putting out. The Children of the Flame. This is very much inspired by the upcoming Dragonlance adventure, where like it's going to be like very warry with dragons and and very Death Starry. Um, I don't really know much about Dragonlance, so that's so I just know the dragons that are involved in war. For the pre-order people, it's looking like it's a little bit of divergence from the original setting. Okay. Almost like an alternate history. That's what I'm getting the vibe of. But I, it's now the official setting, so it, it's not alternate. It's the new timeline. Ah, uh, reboots. Don't you love reboots? But it's definitely more worry, and it's focusing on that right. aspect a little bit. So, uh, Dragon Trapper Lodge next month set is got like dragonborn soldiers and WW2 outfits and kobolds with tommy guns and if you don't want the guns they're all available in crossbows and stuff and like these giant giant lizards that like literally have pillboxes on their backs and cannons mounted off the top of them and it's just it's just so lovely uh of a fun set 
and I have been working with them as part of my job with OPR to make stats for OPR nice. using the, uh, the these models. It's going to be part of the OPR compatibility stuff um, we, that got announced in the live stream, um, the OPR live streams, which is why I'm free to talk a little bit more about it. But hey, um, this is the cool game design thing I got to do is uh, help design the rules for the 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 war game rules for this faction that uh, Dragon Trapper's Lodge is putting out, and they were using the same you know the point calculator and all that jazz to make sure that they are balanced and fit in with uh, the one page rule stuff. So, hey, this was a very cool project. That's super. I never awesome. got to make an army before. So people and, can come to you, parent, and with balancing what, <laughs> one of these. I mean, technically, yes, because a man I've been through the trial by fire, learning how the balance and the internal do's and don'ts of this this system works. Um, but nice. uh, one of these one of these buggers, the siege behemoth, the one with the pillbox on its back can have an entire regiment of kobolds inside that pillbox and is over a thousand points by itself. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, Dragon Trapper's Lodge is this habit of making minis that are like this, like six inches to a side. And yeah, this one was I like would... eight inches long, six inches tall. Like it covers up a colossal base. Easy. Yeah, they were having a first person who can print their big airship from this month's release and paint it and post it gets a free year. Wow. Of the Patreon. I was like, oh, but FDM, me. I just, I can't do it successfully fast enough. I'm sure someone's already got it up. My favorite mini from this set. I don't know that I can show art for it because I don't know if it's been previewed yet, but is the Cobalt Commando. Um, so and the one it, riding the rocket. Yes, it's this little kobold with the little World War II hat on, if riding you're curious, a giant rocket with a rocket launcher on his shoulder. The preview art, at least, was on the Discord. So, you, if you're joining their Discord, you can see at least the art preview art. Yeah, so. it was so. I looked at this and like, how the heck are we going to stat this? <laughs> <laughs> nice, but it looks really cool, and it was really cool to get to do this as like official game design work. I don't get to do my, I don't get to flex my game design muscle very often professionally, but it is fun when I do get to. Awesome. <laughs> I have a quickie, hopefully. Okay. We can get it in here because I know we're kind of over time a little bit. But uh, mm -hmm. Crippled God dropping Dungeons of Despair tonight. Um, Kickstarter. Early Bird, 48 hours. Um, Saves, I think, 10 bucks off of your um, Dungeon Delver, which is a basic pledge. Two, uh, 398 models. 398 models for 38 bucks. So. Um, that's that's under our dollar uh, an STL file limit for at least in my estimation of a good value. Um, if you have not been following Crippled God, they also have an early bird that has seven of their releases, their welcome pack, and some extended stuff plus the base pack um, base pledge and for one forty five, um, which is pretty close to just paying for the Patreons for all those months plus the the pledge. So. Huge value, um, mm -hmm. uh, mini files wise. If you're if you're looking to get set up, especially if you just started or, or trying to get somebody like uh, just set up to go, has all a lot of the basic classic monsters, etc. It's it, it's a it's a it's a good value, especially just even the the thirty eight dollar level. Um, forty eight hours to jump on it though. So what is the deal with this set? I'm, I'm looking at the preview picture. Mm -hmm. It's got caverns that has optional walls. I love mm -hmm. that. Um, cool waterfalls, really cool bookshelves, like really cool terrain. Yep. It looks like the, the default dungeons have low height walls, but some of the walls are full height. Are the yeah, walls they have optional? A mix. It, it feels very similar to um, cast and play setup. It is optional. Yeah. They are modular. They have just a very simple slot system. I don't know if it would work with Dragonlock. They have their own printable slots. Uh, I did really appreciate that they have one inch hallways. So they actually have connectors that are just narrow, which is something okay. that a lot of sets miss. Um, 
but yeah, they have um, full height and half height walls. They have partially destroyed walls. They have functional uh, uh, doors with um, like mm-hmm. d- what you call it, portcullises that drop and pull up mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, so all that stuff's pretty good. A lot of um, traps that are animated, like you can roll down ball channels and swinging pendulums. So a lot of cool pretty... centerpiece features I'm seeing here, like roundy staircases, and I think there's even an yeah, that's an oubliette. It's not often you get an oubliette in the printable terrain set, right? And it has a drawbridge that raises and lowers. Oh. There's a, a lot of stuff in it. Okay, um, cool, very. So, what is the all-in early bird you said? Uh, thirty-eight bucks. Oh wow, that's a three hundred. Yes. Yeah, three hundred ninety-eight. So like, yeah, so. STF file count 398 sorry yeah I do hope the walls are optional because I have really started to to live in 2.5d land lately and that's how I'm, I'm really I am all about the short walls my players prefer them what I've been doing lately is back the the DM screen facing side when I'm running is full height just for flavor right and then everything facing the players is low that's a good way I like doing one wall where the back has the full hot wall and the centerpiece stuff and then there are no walls facing the players sure i could see that too (laughs) all right all right everyone and that will do it for this week if you want to find more you can find it over at bridgeyourgames.com and if you want to help the show out give us a rating on itunes or spotify if you're watching this on youtube give us a like comment and subscribe that helps boost engagement and otherwise you can email us at podcast at print your games we're also available on facebook at facebook.com slash print your games and until next time i'm jefferson j thacker also known as param i'm kristen sowards also known as seventh mastery and don't forget to use a screen protector